Tonight I want to speak on a topic that I uh, work closely with in my ministry, and yet it's one that I'm 100% confident that you too will one day be personally involved with, and tonight's subject is death. Death. Working largely with an elderly population, the reality of death presses in on the minds and hearts of those I serve, and yet death is a reality not only for the elderly. Life is fatal for each one of us. Always. No one gets out of it alive unless the Lord Jesus would happen to return first. If you did not know it tonight, I would just want to remind you that each of us have a terminal illness. Sometimes you hear a doctor examine a patient and recognize that death, death is at hand and pronounce he is dying, he will not recover. And even so, it's not incorrect to say of each person born, he is dying. Even, in a sense, when they're in the cradle, he is dying, he will not recover. It's been said death is a topic you can really only know by dying, and it's hard to argue with that, it's kind of like It needs relationship knowledge, just like marriage is a subject you can really only know by being married. But nevertheless, both in subjects like that, marriage and death, uh, we can prepare for that experience by gaining Christian perspectives on death so that when we do encounter death personally, we can live in repentance and faith. And that's my goal, to give us that perspective tonight. Uh, I recently read in the Middle Ages, humans thought much more about death than uh, we do in our modern age. Back then, the goal was to prepare for death by thinking about it. In fact, uh, one medieval Christian liturgy, worshipers were taught to pray, to ask God to, to be spared a sudden and unprovided for death. In other words, back in the Middle Ages, they feared being caught off guard about death, that they were concerned if they did not think about death. How different our modern age, where we largely avoid the subject, even hide it in our big, modern, fancy buildings, our hospitals and funeral homes and nursing homes. Today, it's not uncommon for people to hope to hope for a sudden and unprovided for death, that they might not have time to think about it. But as Christians, we're called to be different, and we can be different, for we worship a God who has defeated death. In Jesus, he has gained dominion over death, and so in his name, we ourselves begin to exercise that dominion, that authority over death by naming it, thinking upon it, and thereby preparing to go through death in repentance and faith. To that end, let's turn in our Bibles to Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14, page 248 in the Pew Bibles. And what I'd like to give you tonight is an image of what death is for the Christian And then, once we have that image fixed in our minds, 
to apply it to our life of faith. Judges chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done, and then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman. Samson made a feast there, as was customary for bridegrooms. When he appeared, he was given 30 companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. And if you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. And if you can't tell me the answer, then you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even explained it to my father and mother, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her, because she had continued to press him. She, in turn, explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset, on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at his wedding. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Samson's riddle. There it is, my sermon title. Are you good at solving riddles? Here's a a couple. What can be measured but has no length 
width, or height. Temperature. What starts life tall, but grows shorter as it gets older? A candle, yes! There's a riddle solver. I ran, a, I ran that one by a few of the Saratoga residents, and they said, we do! <laughs> we do! <laughs> Samson's riddle, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet, is the riddle of the ages. I want to explain that it is the most important riddle to solve in our age. In its first meaning, our story directly gives an answer to it. The eater is the lion. Something to eat is honey. Drawn out of the carcass of the beast on account of having been killed. But as Christians, we recognize a deeper meaning in the answer to Samson's riddle because we read the scriptures in Christ. We confess and state that Jesus fulfills scripture, that the stories that we are given are ultimately meant to bear witness to him. So when we read about a judge who's a deliverer, Samson, we think, oh, I know a judge who's a deliverer, Jesus, the Christ. Samson is a Christ figure who delivers the people of God from the oppression of God's enemy. And when we read, just as we just did in Judges 14, about, a, about this deliverer going into the land of the ungodly, the Philistines, the enemies of God, to find himself a bride, because it was the Lord's plan, our faith alerts to the fact that we worship a deliverer who came into this enemy, broken, godless, Philistine world to find himself a bride. The church, the bride of Christ. So we read and think about the Christ journey. And what happens to the deliverer as he goes along the way of this Christ's journey to find himself a bride, well, he is attacked. He's attacked by a lion. That attack is symbolized by that cross behind me. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack, to devour. It may well be that Peter had in mind this Samson story when he alluded to Satan as a a prowling, devouring lion. The deliverer was attacked hard in the cross by that lion, that deadly lion. However, the Spirit of the Lord is upon our Samson with such power that in the attack, who triumphs? He does. He kills the lion with his 
bare hands, no grenades or shotguns, unarmed except with the Spirit of the Lord who comes upon him. And so we worship a God in Christ who defeated the prowling lion, Satan, simply in the power of his obedience, complete obedience to God's law, even unto death on the cross, making, therefore, and fulfilled obedience, making himself the acceptable substitutionary sacrifice that atones for the sin of God's people. Complete obedience that God affirms in the Messiah's resurrection. Satan is defeated because sin is atoned for by Jesus' death. And so our our Samson tears apart the lion such that now, in of all places, there's honey to be eaten from that lion's attack and defeat. Sweet honey. Keep following me here. For we need to answer this riddle in its deepest Christocentric meaning. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. What is the great eater of each and every one of us? That's how I began. That great eater is death. What is stronger than death? Death is the great leveler. It will eat you and me up, guaranteed. The grim reaper. But might there be in that strong eater of death, one death in the history of this world from which something sweet comes? The best of honey? We gather tonight to say, yes, surely. We declare that in the attack, which indeed put our Lord, who is also called the Lion of Judah, but put him to death temporarily until his resurrection, that in that attack, our enemy is defeated. The basis of the attack is of of death on us is overcome. Sin is paid for. And so in Christ's death, there's honey to eat. It's our peace with God, right? There's no condemnation for those who trust in that atoning sacrifice. It is our righteousness before God Christ's life sacrifice given for me as my righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for me so that I and him might be the righteousness of God. That's sweet. That's honey. In the death of Christ, there's new life for me. In the death of Christ, I have the assurance of the love of God. Romans 8. You did not spare his own son but gave him up for us. How will he not give us all things in him? Who can separate us from the love of God? In that death of Christ, I'm assured that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Death is the answer to Samson's riddle. First, Jesus' death. 
the death out of which the sweetest honey of life comes. And then, for those who have faith in the meaning of that death, who build their lives on that death, our own death in Christ becomes an answer to that riddle. There's sweetness even in our own death. We will be eaten by death, but for the Christian, it's a sweet thing. There's sweetness in it. So, what is death? Here's the image I want to leave with you and to have you meditate on and then apply. Death is is for the Christian honey drawn from the corpse of a dead lion. That's what death is. And let me use that image to teach three Christian perspectives on death and thereby help you to prepare for your death to come. Let's do this. Imagine yourself back in Samson's day walking on Philistine territory by the road where Samson walked near the vineyard of Timnah, and there by the road lies a powerful beast that you notice, and you see it's a lion. Well, think about death as, as a lion. And even as you approach, of course, you're cautious. Is it just, is, is it really dead? It's a mighty beast. You shudder as you behold its strength. It lies still, but you go slow. Is it really dead? And you check it out. Yes, but you're cautious. You continue cautiously. What's a lion doing in a vineyard? It's not natural. It's not right. It's out of place. What is it doing here? As you draw near, you become more certain that that lion is indeed dead. It's a lion. Death is a lion dead. And then, of all things, you behold something glistening in its mane. Golden. It's honey. You're hungry. You haven't had anything to eat all day. You smell the honey. You draw near honey from a lion. You bend beside the mighty beast, dead. You scoop. You taste. You eat. You are nourished. For a Christian death is a lion, dead, in which is the sweetest of foods to eat. Let me unpack and apply. First, the lion. Death is an enemy. Death is an enemy. Death is a a prowling lion, a foreign intrusion in God's vineyard. Doesn't belong in our good creation. It's unnatural. Death is loss. Death is obliteration. Death is end. Death is the loss of good. And so, by definition, evil. And so the Bible makes clear that death is an enemy of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, Christ must reign until he has put all of his enemies underfoot. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Peter Kreeft writes, Death is loss of being, denial of being, enemy of being. It is the undoing of creation. Death is the most uncreative thing there is. It literally uncreates whether it's a painting destroyed by fire, a soul destroyed by vice, a body destroyed by cancer, death uncreates. It is the enemy of God. It undoes divine work. If man is the friend of God, he must be the enemy of death. 
And that's where a Christian perspective on death begins. And needs to be said, because there's a movement afoot and growing in our culture that seeks to naturalize death and sort of poo-poos it and sort of wants to make it just part of the evolutionary narrative that's gripping the minds and hearts of people today. Uh, Kind of, you know, the circle of life thing, Disney and the Lion King, you know, that. That it's just part of the circle of life. But instinctively we know death is something more than that by the loss that it brings. It's a foreign intrusion into God's good creation. Kreeft, in his book, Love is Stronger Than Death, Love is Stronger Than Death, tells the story of of a neighbor's relative who had died suddenly and unexpectedly just at the age of three. And that neighbor's son, who was about seven, asked his mother, well, where's my cousin now? The mother did not believe in any form of life after death, and she wanted to be honest with her son, so she couldn't just say, well, your, your cousin's in heaven. Uh, also, she had just read one of those uh, Circle of Life books on how to talk to children about death. Its wisdom made some sense to her, but not to the son. So she answered, she said, well, your cousin has gone back to the earth where we all came from. All of nature is a cycle. Death is a natural part of that cycle. When you see the earth put forth new flowers next spring, you can know that your cousin's life is fertilizing those flowers. Her son then shocked her when he screamed in response, I don't want him to be fertilizer! And ran off. Instinctively, a boy understands that. Humans were made with dignity in the image of God. And that death is an intrusion in God's good creation. It is an enemy lion. And so you can and will have sorrow and anger as death draws near. It's healthy. Sorrow that's even in this age, this good creation of God. And anger that it's here. You remember the Lord wept when he encountered the sorrow of his friends, Martha and Mary, and Lazarus's funeral. And anger. What are you doing here? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you out coming at me? Dylan Thomas, his famous lines, don't, don't go gentle into the good night, referring to death. Don't go gentle into the good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That's a Christian perspective. It's not all that Christians believe about death, but it's where we begin. And we don't skip over it. We're honest about it. And in that, we must also add that death as loss, as separation, is in this world because of punishment from God. The wages of sin are death. Death referring to loss of life with God. We are born in sin, separate from God, dead to God, uncreative toward God. The prowling lion is in the vineyard because we chose to welcome him in sinful rebellion before God. And therefore, our physical death is a sign of our spiritual death. 
Physical death is a sign of our spiritual death. You know how you read in the Gospels when Jesus would heal the blind. The blindness physically was a sign of, if if you look at those narratives, they're always connected to his followers not understanding key things. The physical blindness was a sign of their spiritual blindness. Well, our physical death is a sign of our spiritual death. That's what we say as Christians. And so it is a call to recognize sin and enter repentance. To recognize the sinfulness of our being and how I want to stress that tonight in the, in the safety, you might say, of this sanctuary when death is yet some distance from us. Our physical death calls us into the humility of repentance. There are many times I want to say that to people in my ministry when they're in the throes of death. Unfortunately, so often, they're so tired and in so much pain that it's really hard for, for me to then confront them. It, it's, a, it's a special grace to be able to have that door open to say, you know what this death really means. It means that you are spiritually dead apart from the mercy and grace of God in Jesus Christ. But we need to hear that. That's what death means. Something is wrong with our human condition, and that's why the lion prowls close. So turn to God in repentance. Because death is an intrusive enemy, a Christian prepares for it with a commitment to repentance, both in the sinfulness of our nature and in our acts of sin. We prepare for it by inviting the Spirit to review our life. That's what death is meant to do and to come before him in that humility. Second, the Christian prepares for death by recognizing that the lion is dead. It's dead. That's where faith begins as we approach death. Yes, that is a fierce, powerful beast lying there, and it does make me shudder even though it's dead, but I believe it's dead because Jesus has put it to death. As the Puritan Owen, John Owen, described in the title of his book, our faith declares the death of death in the death of Christ. Amen? The death of death in the death of Christ. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your stink? You're lying there. You're powerful. You make me shudder, but you're dead. So a Christian rejects the fear of death, even as death draws near. That's what faith does. It's not that we never experience any fears. We certainly may. But God's perfect love draws, casts out fear. And so faith names death's death. So we don't have to pretend that there's no lion around and we don't have to do all we can to avoid looking at the lion because I'll get to it. There's honey there. Or we don't just walk away as far as possible from it because death is dead. We can draw near to that lion and we can face it. Our Samson killed death and we exercise dominion by drawing near so that third, we may eat the honey that's in the lion of death. 
Christian, if your faith is in Jesus' atoning death, there's sweetness even in your death. Jesus' death has turned the most wicked reality of existence into our greatest good. And here's how. First, the reality of death draws us toward truth. You know, in a certain sense, death brings meaning to life, and that is a good. That is a sweetness. You know, imagine if someone invented the immortality pill. Would you take the immortality pill? I, 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 I don't know if any of us want to live immortally in this age, broken, tiring, difficult as it is. This is a wilderness that we live in. And there's a certain goodness to death because it, it forces us to look for meaning in life. To look for truth. Further, in death, we're drawn as Christians into the reality of the Lord's historical death for the complete forgiveness of your sin. That's a sweetness. Even when death gets tiring and painful, faith draws you to the Savior who got tired and suffered and died and went through pain for your salvation. And so, the Spirit is with us in death. That's honey. God's love is in your death because in faith it is calling you to Christ. But above all, death is sweet because as the apostle writes in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Death is, is the door through which we pass to meet God face to face. And so we, we see that door and we walk through it with anticipation and joy. The early Christians called the day of their death Deus Natalis, day of birth. Death, you see, is like a birth canal. We live in the womb of this age. It's like we began life in the womb of our mother. We live in the womb of this age, and through death, we go through the birth canal and pass into the one eternal. And that is the greatest sweetness in our own death. That through death, we pass into life eternal, guaranteed because of Jesus' death for us. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Samson's riddle is the riddle of life. Hope you have solved it. And in solving it, remember death is an enemy, but death is dead, and death is the sweetness of life. In it is the sweetness of life. In Samson's story, did you note that of those who solve the riddle, what they are given as reward? They were given wedding attire procured by the warring deliverer. Fine linen, bright and clean, Revelation 19, is given to the bride made ready for the wedding of the Lamb. Matthew 22, without such wedding dress, in Jesus' parable, the guest is tossed out of the wedding banquet. Tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Can you solve Samson's riddle? Death is a lion dead 
in which is the sweetest of truths. Christ's death and then ours in him.